This is a Legacy of Laughs comedy from the golden age of radio, brought to you by RelicRadio.com. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Fred Allen in person. Thank you, and good evening. Oh, Harry, they give us the old stuff our last night. I'll leave a nasty note for John in the morning. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, these wobbly music stands here, you, you'd have to have St. Vitus dance, I mean, to play on a thing like that. But thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Not that we haven't musicians who have St. Vitus dance in the band already. You don't know, when they stand up, it looks like Roseland with instruments. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're just in time, lad. Those ladies come in. Do you want to read the opening over again? <laughs> well, trouble is all, madam. Just a word to play. This is Mr. Bonzel, who announces the program. My name is Alan. He has just introduced me from now on, 59-minute lull and four commercials. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Harry. Harry, this is our last program in New York for the season. Yes, well, that's right, Fred. Tomorrow we'll be winging our way to Hollywood. Winging our way? What is that, winging, Harry? Oh, well, winging our way is an expression, Fred. You know, really? winging is the vernacular for travel. Instead of saying I'm traveling to Hollywood, I say I'm winging my way. Oh. After all, from New York to Hollywood is 3,000 miles as the crow flies. Oh, well, <laughs> if you're going by crow, Harry, <laughs> I thought you were going by train. So in your case, winging is the word. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. After all, if the letters are in there, you might as well pronounce them. <laughs> there you take that G has been in winging a good many years. Tonight, we call it winging, and you give the little G a workout. Doesn't hurt anything. <laughs> well, this, this trip has me all excited, Fred. I, I've been busy packing my Ipana and Salopatica commercials to... Take the California. Say, have you got all of your jokes packed? Well, most of them, Harry. I have a few local jokes here I can't very well take. Well, you know, you can't tell jokes about New York and California. No, that's right. If you have any local jokes, you'd better tell them tonight. This is your last chance. Well, I don't... Oh, I don't think these jokes are good enough to tell, Harry. Oh, Fred. Well, well... (laughs) One is about... uh, One of them uh, is about Mayor LaGuardia rushing to all the fires, and one night a false alarm came in. False alarm. Did the mayor go? Yes, but he heard it was a false alarm, so the mayor went incognito. <laughs> well, Fred, I wouldn't bother telling that one. No, well, I told you, so you wouldn't let me have my way. And then there's the other one I had. I'm just going to throw it away. Before I throw it away, I'll read it. It's about the, <laughs> it's about the tree surgeon who buried a nickel with each of those new trees they just planted on 6th Avenue. He planted a nickel with the, uh, with each of the trees in case the roots want to go into the subway later in life. <laughs> but I... Thank you. I if we, know, if we had says... if we had any sense, that's where we'd stop the program, right? <laughs> It sort of uh, confuses me because my next line... Well, I guess you don't bother bother with that. that. It could five seconds. (laughs) We may as well turn then to the latest news of the week. Ipana News presents The World in Review. New York City, New York. June 1st brought to an end the second wettest May in the history of the New York Weather Bureau. Constant rains caused flood conditions in upstate communities. 
I pan a news questions whether authorities and rain victims to get first-hand reports on wettest May since 1908. First, the official explanation of the 17-day deluge is given by the head of the State Weather Bureau, Mr. Ragu Seep. <laughs> Go right ahead, Mr. Seep. The uh, abnormal precipitation was caused by barometric loginess. Really? Uh, this caused high ceiling areas over to Calv Avenue. <laughs> And uh, low-priced umbrella sales in the Bronx region. <laughs> now, this in turn caused... Well, uh, I know, but uh, what caused this recent rainy spell in Manhattan, Mr. Seep? Oh, that? Yes. Well, the, uh, the Gulf Stream going north to spawn the Great Lakes was, uh, was suspended over New York for 30 days. Oh, I see. The Gulf Stream was overhead, eh? And the rain was caused... By a slow leak in the Gulf Stream. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Mr. Seep, for your profound uh, weather analysis. Oh, it was nothing. You're telling me. <laughs> Get away, brother. A June bride whose uh, dreams of connubial felicity were rudely shattered by the May rains is Miss Pamela Latour. The rain upset your plans, Miss Latour. My wedding was rained out. I'm back at the Martha Washington, Bryant 748. I, uh, I... <laughs> I won't need your phone number, miss. Oh, I thought maybe you was waking up to it. I was going to save you a lot of conversation. No, no. This is only an interview, Miss Latour. What about your debacle? Want I should start from the beginning? If it isn't too much trouble. Well, I'm a sugar shaker in a donut shop. Uh, a sugar shaker in a... Uh... Yeah. When the donuts come out of the machine, I turn them over and shake sugar on them. Oh, I see. Well, where do you work? I'm shaking in a window on Broadway. <laughs> and uh, that is where your romance started? Yeah. One day I'm in the window shaking me sugar. Uh. <laughs> uh. Well, this swell-looking guy outside starts giving me the ogle. Well, we start horsing around. Uh, kidding, you mean? Yeah. He starts pressing his nose against the window. Oh. I'm shaking sugar on it from the inside. <laughs> and he's licking the window. Oh. I'm dying laughing. Oh, he must have had a director. He couldn't think that up himself. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, he sees I got a sense of humor. Yeah. And after a little sparring, we start going around together. Yeah? The first thing I know, he's proposing. Proposing what? Marriage. Oh, I see. <laughs> so I start running around to the five and tens and bargain sales, getting me torso ready. <laughs> and the, uh, <laughs> the fatal day arrived. Yeah. I'm the blushing bride, and the whole outfit, including the blush, cost me nine eighty-five. You were a montage of bargains. Well, as the cab driver said when I got in the cab, sister, you're an adorable mess. Well, what about the rain ruining your wedding? I mean... Oh, well, when I step out of the cab at the church, it's pouring. The rain hit me bargain outfit. And it started to shrink? Shrink ain't the white, mister. Me veil flew up me face like a window shade. <laughs> me bustle zipped up me back, skinning me spine. Oh, say. Then me open toe shoes closed up, breaking me, <laughs> breaking me two big toes. 
Oh, isn't that awful? Me stockings tightened up, bowing boat legs. Oh, mercy. Damn, me girdle closed in, busting three of me ribs. <laughs> and finally, me snood shrunk up, snapping back me head and dislocating me jaw. And your wedding was off? Well, yeah, by the time I got out of the hospital, the boyfriend disappeared. Well, you could have offered a reward, you know. That is too bad, Pamela. Oh, there's plenty of fish in the sea, as the fellow says. Oh, yes, the fellow says. Well, let me tell you something. If I'm ever a bride again, I'm doing one thing. And what is that? I'm skipping the shower. Get it? Well, <laughs> thank you. Miss Pamela Latour. The hardest, hardest hit by the soggy month of May were the exhibitors and concession owners at the New York World's Fair. A guide here tonight without uniform, Tiber Trask, explains the difficulties. Things were pretty moist at the fair, hey, Mr. Trask? Yeah. Instead of saying hello, folks, we was yelling hello, soaks. <laughs> the rain must have kept you pretty busy, huh? Oh, it was brutal. I worked 48 hours straight at the open-air freak show. Doing what? Bailing your bangies lips out. <laughs> those, uh, those you bangies lips ship water, do they? Do they? If I didn't keep telling them to exhale, them your bangies would have drowned it. Well, did all of the shows at the fair stay open, Mr. Trask? Yeah, all but Lolita, the dove dancer. Oh, the girl who dances covered with dove. Yeah, she was closed for one day. Well, why? Well, Lolita was afraid of catching cold. You know, dancing with wet doves on it. Oh, that. Uh, well, did she... Did she, uh, Did she stop dancing during the entire rainy spell? No, the next day she was dancing again. Well, not with those wet doves. No, she was wearing ducks. Oh. <laughs> well, were the... Uh, tell me, were the nightly fireworks at the fair postponed during the rain? No, they wasn't postponed. They shot him off, but it was a fiestro. Oh, a fiestro? How do you mean? Well, skyrockets was going up about two feet and falling down plunk. Skyrockets two feet high? Yeah, yeah. Uh, only midgets were saying, ah. <laughs> A new low and pyrotechnic ejaculation. Well, thanks a lot, Mr. Uh, just Trask. a minute. Uh, I ain't finished yet. Oh, you're not? No, I'm... You see, me and two other guys wrote a song about the rain at the fair. Well, fine. I'd like to hear it sometime. You're going to hear it right now. Well? Uh, one, two, fellas. 1939. All our prospects were fine. Till the wind and the rain hit the fair. The Trilon's peak. Disappeared the last week From the wind and the rain at the fair It's now a new year Once more the fair is here Each morning we all kneel in prayer We kneel in a prayer Don't let it rain Is our daily refrain In the wind and the rain at the fair It's flushing, flushing Thank you Thank you The Mary 
Merrimack, who have just been commissioned admirals in the American Airlines flagship fleet, make a forced landing for us to sing, Oh, You Beautiful Doll. Thank you. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we'd like to inaugurate a new week week. Fred, a week, week? Lower those eyebrows, Herschel. The calendar is full of weeks. Weeks like be kind to your Aunt Minnie week. Don't push old ladies off of streetcars week. <laughs> Eat more Fudarakasaki week. Well, look, Fred, then why do you want to start a new one? Well, because the weeks we have now can only be used one special week, Harry. Oh. Now, what this country needs is a week that somebody can use any week. And I have just the one. Oh, well, what is it? See your dentist week. Oh, well, for once, Fred, I think you've made a statement there that no one can question. Why not make a mental note now, ladies and gentlemen, that for the sake of your health, as well as your looks, you will see your dentist and see him soon. For his advice and his help are invaluable. And also decide now that in between visits, you'll help your dentist in the home care of your teeth and gums by regularly massaging with Ipana. The famous toothpaste especially made not only to clean and brighten your teeth, but when used with massage to help stimulate and strengthen your gums. So don't forget, will you? See your dentist and see to it that you begin to... Thank you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our guest tonight is a brilliant... Oh, hello, Portland. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, now, that's the kind of a visit I like. Hello and goodbye. You know, with most people, what happens between hello and goodbye is a waste of time. Oh, but I'm not going. Oh, well, then why say hello and goodbye? Well, hello for me and goodbye for Mama. Well, goodbye for... Yes. Mama read in the paper that you're going out to Hollywood. Yes, we're leaving tomorrow. We're going to do our next three programs in California. And Mama says you're going to make a picture with Jack Benny. Well, we're going to start a picture. I... <laughs> I may finish Benny before I finish the picture. <laughs> You know, it's too bad you can't come to California, Portland. Well, I almost went. Mama tried to buy a ticket on the installment plan. Oh, I read about that new travel plan. The railroad looks you up, and if your credit's good, you can ride around the country and pay for your ticket later in installments. Yes, and Mama's crazy about installments. She even pays her installments in installments. Well, this travel plan must have appealed to your mother. I'll say. Mama didn't know whether to get a new icebox or visit her sister in California. Well, there is a confliction. I can see that. The payments were the same. The payments were the same. <laughs> and uh, your mother decided on the trip? Yes. The railroad looked Mama up. And? Mama's credit is only good to Omaha. Oh. <laughs> So she can't visit her sister in California? No, but Mama's sister's credit is good from California to Salt Lake. Well, how are they going to get together? Well, now, Mama's going to Omaha. Uh -huh. Her sister's going to Salt Lake. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. Then they'll both start hitchhiking uh -huh. and meet in Denver. Well, I... <laughs> That, uh, that complicates... I knew you had no finish. I was trying to help you out there. I caught on the... Uh, now, that complicates that nicely. Now, who is our guest tonight, or did he be taken on the lamb when he heard the salary mention? No. He's the Einstein of Booth Bay Harbor, Dr. Rockwell. Dr. Rockwell? Well, wheel him in. Bundle him in. Get him in here somewhere. 
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for that applause. That outburst is a tribute to your keen powers of penetration. I haven't said a word yet, and here you folks are already applauding. It simply shows an audience today can smell talent a mile away. <laughs> well, good evening, Doctor. Just a minute, Fred. I just thank those folks for that applause. Now it's their turn to thank me. Well, why should they thank you? Why not, Fred? An audience derives more real benefit from its own applause than the actor does. Well, how do you mean? Well, take these people here tonight. I peeked out while you were talking, Fred. And there they all sat, all slumped over in their seats, their organs all cramped together out of position, their circulations retarded, their heart action slowed down. Yeah. Ah, but the minute I stepped out here, these folks had set up to applaud. And what happened? People's spines were thrown back into place. Then, clapping their hands together, started the blood coursing through their veins. And their heart, lungs, spleens jumped up and said, let's go. Why, the lifespan of these people here tonight's going to be lengthened ten years. And who have they got to thank? Dr. Rockwell, maker of fine cigar ashes since 1889. Now, wait a minute, Doc. The actor certainly must derive some benefits from his reception. It must bolster his ego or something. No, you're wrong, Fred. The actor really suffers. The actor suffers? How do you mean? Why, that applause goes to the actor's head. His head swells up. His mouth gets bigger. He starts talking too much, and he's through. Why, I know one actor who got a reception in Jersey City in 1929, and it took that actor ten years to get back to New York. Why? His head was so big, he couldn't get it through the Holland Tunnel. Well, I'm glad to see you finally made it, Doc. <laughs> the way it looks tonight, you could have come back through a pipe stand. But tell me... <laughs> Tell me, where have you been all winter, Doc? Rusticating? Not me, Fred. I've been as busy as a wasp. Busy as a bee, you mean, don't you? No, I've quit being as busy as a bee. That old adage is a fallacy. Oh, but a bee is busy, Doctor. Yes, but a bee's hustle and bustle is fraught with futility. The bee labors in vain. Well, how do you mean? Well, you take the average bee. All summer long, the bee gets up at daybreak and buzzes around, sticking its nose into other people's flowers until dark. But at the end of a tough summer, what has the bee got? What? A half a pound of honey. Uh-huh. Why, I can go down to the A&P and get a half a pound of honey and ten No, no, I tell you, Fred, bees are a lot of trouble. I had a little honey left over one time, and it took me three days to get it back into the bee. Some stuff. And uh, that's why today you are as, as busy as a wasp, huh? Exactly. Because a wasp gets things done. If a wasp doesn't like you, he lumps you, and away he goes. <laughs> But you can only emulate the wasp up to a certain point, Doc. After all, you don't sting. Well, that's a matter of opinion. You say you've been uh, busy, Doc. What have you been doing? I've been trying to work out a solution for the world's problems, Fred. We're living in a hectic age. People are working themselves today for what? Money. Wait a minute. You left out a word there. The whole thing is people are working themselves... Try it again. We're living in a hectic age. People are working themselves today for what? Working themselves to death today. You left to out death. death. You Try it again. <laughs> well, wait a minute. That there is simply proof of it. I'm overworked myself. Now, yeah. let's try it. <laughs> people are 
working themselves to death today for what? You're Money. not going to tell me you can retire after auditions that you've given. <laughs> All right, three sauces of coffee to keep me awake now. Let's money. Now then, what is money? Gold. And uh, what is gold? Gold is something they dig out of the ground in Alaska and put back in the ground in Kentucky. Oh. Or as Colonel Stupnagel says, gold is stuff. If you're sitting home at a Tuesday night and the phone rings. What's calling you is a pot of. I see what you mean. Yes, sir. There's a shortage of money. People are hoarding gold, and gold has got to go. Well, what would you suggest? I'd put the country on a fish standard. Use fish for money. Fish for money? Yes, sir. Minnows will be pennies, halibut will be dimes, and whales will be thousand-dollar bills. Well, people look pretty silly trying to stuff a sardine into an automat slot, Doc. <laughs> imagine a panhandler sneaking up on you and saying, Hey, bud, you got a flounder for a cup of coffee? <laughs> I know. I know, Fred. But nevertheless, it'll do away with hoarding. No millionaire can keep a lot of old mackerel and tuna fish in his vault. <laughs> or he'll be asked to leave the bank the first hot day. <laughs> You see right there, people will have to spend their money to suffocate, and prosperity will finally come around that corner. Well, that takes care of money, Doc. Now, is there anything else wrong in the world? Everything, everything. Take man's diet, for example. Do you know that 90% of the white-collar workers in this country are going to work on empty stomachs? Why? By the time a man reads all the testimonials and the list of vitamins on his breakfast food package... He has to run for the train and hasn't got time to eat it. Well, tell me, how do scientists know how many vitamins are in those breakfast foods, Doc? They read the package the same as everybody else. <laughs> well, what about man's other meals? All right, what does the average man eat for lunch? A three-decker sandwich. After he takes the toothpick out of the three-decker sandwich, it comes apart in his stomach. Uh-huh. That's what causes stomach trouble. Why? Well, it's dark down there... His stomach has a terrible time trying to put that three-decker back together again. <laughs> There's only one thing a man should eat today. And what is that? Grass. Grass? Yes, sir. Medical science has just discovered that grass contains vitamin M. Cows have been eating grass for years, and they're happy. If a man ate grass, he'd lay around like a cow, mooing and contented. <laughs> ah, but who would give milk? Philanthropists. They've been given milk for years. I, uh, I see your point. Yes. The top keeps coming off this fountain pen here. In your estimation, Doc... In your estimation, Doc... That's all right. We get the credit. Somebody told a joke in the audience. It's better than ours, but we get the credit. In your estimation, Doc, the outlook for modern man is pretty drab. Yes, man's outlook is pretty drab. But the Rockwell survey shows that the average vice president has enough acid in his system to sour a pint of milk at 20 paces. And uh, what causes this acid? Insomnia. Businessmen don't sleep. If the Sandman comes near a businessman today, the businessman said, go away. I can get it wholesale. What is the solution of the whole thing, Doc? Well, the businessman has got to slow down, relax. 
And that's why I'm here tonight, to call your attention to the Rockwell Vacation Service. The Rockwell Vacation Service? It's for busy men, men who can't get away from the office, men who are tied up in conferences all summer. Oh, are you... T- uh... We take your vacation for you. Now, take yourself, <laughs> Take yourself, Fred. You're going out to Hollywood tomorrow. You're going to make a picture. Now, you're not going to get any vacation at all this summer. That's right. I forgot about that. Well, as the president of the Rockwell Vacation Service, I'm ready to take your vacation for you. Well, what kind of a vacation do you think will do me the most good, Doc? Well, the Rockwell Service offers a variety of vacations scaled to fit any purse, Fred. Well, let me see now. We have a $10 special. I take a weekend bicycle tour through New England for you. (laughs) No, no, I can't ride a bicycle. You'd be falling off all the time. Uh, how about our $20 mountain holiday? I stay in an overnight cabin too small so I can't move around. You get plenty of rest. No, I don't like the mountains. Well, what about our seaside fiesta? For $50, I spend three weeks at Old Orchard Beach, Maine, registered under your name. Do you stay in the sun? In the sun eight hours a day. Of course, if I blister and peel, that's a little extra. You, uh... <laughs> That's the vacation I want. When can you leave, Doc? I'll start for Old Orchard Beach tonight. Great. Now, don't stay too long in the water. I get cramps. <laughs> All right, Fred, I'll be careful. And you're going to have a wonderful time and going to enjoy yourself. Well, I'm feeling better already, Doc. Well, goodbye and have a good time. You certainly will, Fred. And uh, that uh, will be uh, $50, payable in advance. All right, Doc. But after hearing your theory and those conjunctions, I'm through with money. I am going on the fish standard. I'll send you a brace of shad tomorrow. Well, uh, frankly, Fred, I'm a little short. Can't you pay a little something small as an installment? An installment on the fish standard? Yes. How about a fin? On a And Thank you, Dr. Rockwell. Thank you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Wynn Murray, the hit of American Jubilee at the World's Fair... Buses over from Flushing to sing, I ain't got no body. You ain't got no body. After all, win. Thank you. Last night, ladies and gentlemen, as I was giving my encyclopedia a brisk 60-second workout, I came across a few items that I thought might be of interest to the women of our audience. No, no, not, not household hints now, Fred, please. Not that. Of course not, Harry. What I had in mind was beauty secrets garnered from the pages of history. Now, there was Cleopatra, who used to dissolve pearls in wine and drink the concoction to improve her complexion. You know, it sounds pretty silly to me. Well, I don't want your impressions, oh, Harry. Well. This is history. <laughs> then there was another lady who used to drink a quart of vinegar with every meal in order to keep her figure. I forget what her name was. I'll bet it was Sourpuss. <laughs> oh, now, look, Harry. If you have nothing constructive to contribute to this discussion of beauty secrets, I do wish you'd keep quiet. Oh, well, Fred, I, I do have something constructive to contribute. And it's this. Modern women have discovered a most important beauty secret. Eye-panel toothpaste and gum massage. Well, they know how much a lovely smile adds to their charm. And massage with Ipana is especially designed to help keep a smile at its best. Not only by cleaning and polishing teeth, ladies and gentlemen, but also by helping to give gums the exercise and stimulation they fail to get from the soft, creamy foods we eat. And modern dentistry emphasizes that gums, as well as teeth, need daily care. So why not follow that sensible advice by doing this? Brush your teeth faithfully with Ipana toothpaste. And every time you do, put a little... 
this is Mr. and Mrs. Average Man's Round Table, where three persons selected from our studio audience are invited to give their opinions on a question that concerns some prominent issue of the day. These little sessions are entirely unrehearsed. Fred is in conference just at the moment with a young man, but uh, he's taken his place at the round table. Yes. Where he meets his fellow debaters the for man the first was here time. To tell me if we can do it all in four and a half minutes, we'll be just as late as we were the first program. <laughs> <laughs> he's here to tell me. You take it up from there. Well, the forum is <laughs> the forum is officially opened, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If Portland will kindly introduce our first uh, member. Yes, Mr. Joe Viviana from Jersey City, New Jersey. You Viviana that uh, up good, didn't uh-huh. you? <laughs> Viviano. Viviano. I, uh, there's a great difference between a B and a V, you know. A B is something they put on you, and a V is something you let go of when the B is put on you. But, uh, good evening, Mr. Viviano. May I ask your profession? I'm a player and teacher of the accordion. An accordion teacher? That's right. You have a studio here in New York, do you? Yes, sir. Located about a block from here. Well, Washington. I wouldn't go over this late at night to take a lesson. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it. But uh, <laughs> I guess the accordion is, uh, is uh, getting a new lease on life today, isn't it? That's right. Well, of course, as long as there's wind in you, you, you have a chance of surviving, and I think the accordion will outlive us all. But uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Viviano. And now, uh, Portland... Miss Mary Morris from New York City. Miss Morris, may I ask your business or profession? I'm a newspaper photographer. A newspaper? That is a most unusual profession for a young lady, isn't it? Certainly uh, is. Well, you admit it, huh? Yes. But uh, tell me, are you working on one of the New York papers now? I'm working for PM, the new newspaper. PM is the new, news, uh, highly publicized newspaper that's coming out with several revolutionary ideas in, a, in a, a week or two, isn't it? That's right, two weeks. In two we'll weeks. Be. Well, tell me, what, uh, what are the distinguishing features of this new newspaper? Well, it'll be a different size. All right. Well, you won't mind now if, if I ask you to tell me a little later, Miss Morris, because yes, we really sir. haven't an awful lot of time. And, and uh, if you don't mind, uh, I would like to discuss that with you later. I, I know that PM is going to be a welcome addition to newsstands. A high, uh, uh, sophisticated paper is going to have a better class of people peeking over our shoulders as we come down. <laughs> well, thank you. And now, Portland. Mr. Danny Collins from New York City. Well, good evening, Mr. Collins. May I ask your business or profession? Vaudeville agent. A vaudeville agent? A uh, vaudeville agent is uh, an artist representative, is sort of a middleman between an actor and a job, isn't he? That's right. Well, a great many things have happened to vaudeville, unfortunately, in the last few years, haven't they? That's right. The, uh, I, I know there are so many pictures. I heard uh, uh, about a, a theater over in Patterson, I believe it was, where they've been playing pictures for years. There are so many people who don't, uh, aren't familiar, don't remember what vaudeville was. The theater over in Patterson, after playing pictures for years, put in a vaudeville show. And the opening matinee, the first act walked out on the stage and 20 women in the audience fainted. They thought the theater was haunted. I mean, they never <laughs> Well, that brings us to our question, uh, Mr. Collins. And tonight we check up, up on an old adage that people have taken for granted for years. It's the often heard saying, Mother Knows Best. Now, recently a humorous book was published called Father knows better. Now, right is right, and we believe that since Mother has been credited with knowing best for so many years, it's about time someone spoke up for Father. And so our question tonight is, when problems confront a child that send a boy or girl to the parent for advice, to whom should the child turn? Does Mother know best, or does Father know better? I'm going to ask you briefly, and uh, Mr. Viviano, does Mother know best, or does Father know better? 
I think it's the mother. Mr. Mother knows best. Thank you very much. Miss Morris, does mother know best or does father know better? I don't think... Either one of them knows. Either. <laughs> That's it. Uh, to whom did you go as a child, Miss Marsh? To which uh, one did you turn for advice, your father or your mother? I sort of steered a... You sent for a lawyer, huh? <laughs> a fine thing for a child to do. Didn't you, uh, really, your mother or your father, huh? Right. Right, oh, between both. Well, that's uh, where the middleman got his start. It kind of <laughs> like that. And now, Mr. Collins, did you think that mother knows best, or does father know better? Father knows better. Father knows better. Uh, Mr. Viviano says mother knows best. Miss Morris is noncommittal. Well, the committee has passed me its findings in three sealed envelopes, which I'm not <laughs> going to bother to open. I feel that our little talk here tonight has proved nothing. Unless it is the fact that you can hear pretty well in here, considering the size of this studio. Personally, I think the children should respect their fathers and mothers. But if they have any questions, they should send them into information, please. <laughs> At least if they're not answered, the kiddies will receive $10 and a set of the Encyclopedia Britannica, which will strain the little children's backs as they try to pick them up and take them home. On this hopeful note, uh, we close our forum. And thank you a lot for your kind cooperation. Thank you. Now the Merry Match ladies and gentlemen sing for us You Made Me Love You. Thank you. A lady just applauded her gloves off, Harry. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, because... So many of us at some time or other wake up in the morning feeling headachy and under the weather. I'm sure you'll all appreciate hearing Harry Von Zell tell you how sparkling sal hepatica quickly helps you feel your best again. Now, here he is, the man with the message, Harry Von Zell. I ain't gonna do it. What? <laughs> Harry, what's come over you? Now, you know that as a laxative, sal hepatica is speedy, yet very gentle. You know that, don't you? Mm -hmm. And you know that sal hepatica is also famous for the way it helps counteract excess gastric acidity, which chases that sickish feeling fast. Now, you know that, too, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well then, well, then why won't you say so? I ain't gonna do it. Now, look, will you just do this, Harry? Will you just tell our friends about the physicians who recommend sal hepatica? Mm-mm. Oh, now, look, won't you even say to anyone who feels under the weather, just put two teaspoonfuls of salopatica in a glass of water and drink it, and see how soon you feel like your old normal self again? I ain't gonna do it. <laughs> then will you please tell me why you ain't gonna do it? You just done it. Oh, <laughs> Tonight, the art players dramatize a page filched from the diary of a mysterious candidate for the coming presidential election, uh, nomination. It's called Senator Allen's Dilemma, or Gone with the Windbag. <laughs> Overture, Susan. As the race for the Republican presidential nomination grows hotter, a dark horse suddenly looms on the horizon to challenge candidates Dewey, Vandenberg, Wilkie, and Taft. To those who ask, where did Allen come from... How did this crumb get in the race? Here is how it happened. One day, outside the Republican Club, a man was heard shouting, Luke Allen for president! Luke Allen for president! Yes, the man yelling was Luke Allen himself. 
Convinced that he was presidential timber, Luke Allen started on his swing around the country. His first stop took him to the West Coast. In his California speech, Luke Allen said, Voters of California, I greet you as a native son. I was born right here among you, under an avocado bush. The Allen bandwagon next rolled into the South. Here, Luke Allen said, Voters of the old Sioux, I greet you all as a native son. I was born right here among you, under a cotton bush. Allen then came north, where he said, Voters in New York, I greet you as a native son. I was born right here among you, in Macy's basement. And so, flushed with the triumph of his tour, Senator Allen returns to Washington, where we now find him entering his office. Ah, uh, good afternoon, Miss Votes. Good afternoon, Senator Allen. You all had better change that greeting, Miss Votes, to good afternoon, Mr. President. Why? I've got to get used to the way people is going to be greeting me after Election Day. All right. Good afternoon, bum. Good afternoon. <laughs> I mean, quiet, Miss Votes. Where's my fan mail? Fan mail? Nothing came in but this postcard. This postcard pouring in, hey? <laughs> Let me look at this postcard. Ah, oh, this is from the Blackfoot Indians. I was made an honorary brave in the Blackfoot tribe. This note is from the chief. What does it say? Ugh. Sincerely yours, Laughing Puma. <laughs> well, that shows how I stand with the Indians, unless that Ugh is indigestion. Come here. Uh, Senator, I'm from the Associated Press. The Associated Press? I'm always glad to meet a newspaper man, no, son. I, I, I suppose you're here for an interview. No, I'm from the Associated Press. I've heard you the first time, son. Now put this down for my constituents. From the seal-infested coast of Maine... Yeah, but I'm from the Associated... Just put down, in this great and glorious country, there are pleased no man more loyal, more patriotic, than little old fighting Luke Allen. Yeah, but I'm from the Associated... You can also put down... Yeah, but I'm from the Associated Press... And you're from the Associated Press, why ain't you putting this down? I've been trying to tell you. I'm from the Associated Pressing and Dry Cleaning Shop. <laughs> yeah, here, I brought your pants... It's a dollar a leg. That's two bucks clean. Well, here's your money, son, and here's an extra nickel. Oh, yeah? What's a nickel for? Well, I am uh, happen to be running for president, son. Vote for me. Oh, I get it. Uh, do you make it a dime and I'll vote for you twice. Well, here's a quarter, son. Oh, boy. I'll carry the district. So long. He looks like a strong boy. He might do it, too. Well... Reckon I better run over my speech for my monster rally tonight. Where is my speech? Right there, under those two big wooden keys. Ah, oh, yes. These are the keys of a western city presented to me on my recent tour. Two keys for one city? For Walla Walla. They give me one key for each Walla. Ah, <laughs> oh, here's my speech. I'll warm up. <coughs> me, me, me. My fellow citizen... No, I think I'll take it up a half a tone. My fellow citizens, I stand... Senator Allen, Senator Allen. Digby, my campaign manager. What's the news from headquarters, son? Got bad news for you, Senator. It looks like you ain't got a chance. Horse fuzz, Digby. I've just completed a whirlwind tour of 48 states. I've kissed 290,000 babies. I've given away more cigars than General Grant smoked during the Civil War. And I've coined that new patriotic slogan, No Hay for the Trojan Horse. Uh, 
These Wahoo routines of yours are old stuff, Senator. Who says so? The election committee says so. A presidential candidate today only needs one thing. What's that? A radio personality. Well, how do I get a radio personality? You're going on the radio. Yeah. Instead of making your speech at the town hall tonight, you're making it on the air. Making it on the air when? Right now. You're going from coast to coast. The election committee will hear how you sound in the conference room. I have a microphone set up here in your office. Wait a minute. I don't know nothing about radio. I'm your campaign manager, Senator. I got everything arranged. The boys are waiting outside. Set your microphone up right here, son. Uh, yes, sir. Now, hold on. Who are these derelicts? Senator, meet Mac Borden. Well, howdy, son. Hello, I got your theme song all set, Senator. Yeah, and I've got your script all written, Senator. You have? Yeah. Uh, Mort here is your gag writer, Senator. Hey, Mort? <laughs> That's all you need in radio today. Right, a theme song. A couple of gags. A wham finish, and you're in. That's it. Here's your script. It's a Lulu. Well, you say you wrote this, Mort? Yes, sir. I'll look it over. Great. Is the microphone okay, son? Uh, just a minute. I'll test it. Woof, one, two, three. Woof, one, two, three. Wait, well, hold on, hold on. He'll bite somebody, that little man. <laughs> well, everything's all right. I'll go out with the election committee and hear how you sound. Good luck, Senator. Thank you, Digby. He don't mean it, but I play on like I do, you know. Now, one of these jokes in Mort's script is all right here. I'm new at this radio stuff, fellas. Oh, well, you'll kill him, Senator. Well, how do I know when to sound off? Oh, well, when we get the buzzer, see, the boys and me will sing a theme song. But theme song. Wait a minute, there is quiet, fellas. We're on the air. Take it, announcer. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bob Welch speaking to you from Washington. We wish to thank the makers of Bouncies, the new nylon rubber heel, for relinquishing their spot announcement so that you may hear a brief political talk. In this two-minute period, usually devoted to the heel, (laughs) we bring you Senator Luke Allen in a chair-side chat. We first hear Senator Allen's theme song. Oh, Luke Allen needs your vote. C-I-C-I-O. He'll get your vote or get your vote. Now to Buffalo. With a vote vote here and a vote vote there. Here a vote, there a vote. Everywhere a vote vote. Oh, Luke Allen needs your vote. When to the polls you go. Evening, evening, everybody. I ain't trying to waste your time. I'll just tell you who I am, why the polls is, and the rest is up to you all. I'm a self-made man, and folks, I ain't through working on myself by no means. <laughs> folks is always asking, Luke, how did you get so big in politics? That reminds me of a mighty funny story, folks. It's about the lady who said to the circus giant, how'd you get so big? The giant says, lady, when you gotta grow, you gotta grow. And that's how it is with me, folks. I'm a doomed to be a big man. I gotta grow and I'm a gonna grow. And that's how, uh, uh, what my platform is, if you're uh, my bifocals. I see the same line twice. I gotta go straight. My, uh... Never bend your head with bifocals on, boys. They'll do you in every time. My platform is, if you're furry, I'm furry. If you're a guinnit, I'm a guinnit. Now, if you want a president that's furry and a guinnit, I'm your man. This is your old pal Luke Allen saying, Yes, vote, students. Yes, vote. A-L-L-E-N. This spot broadcast was a presentation of the Ajax Broadcasting Company. Okay, folks, we're off the air. Uh, uh, how'd I do? How'd I do, oh, boy? Oh, Senator, great. You were wonderful. Yeah, Mom must have rocked him with my joke. Well, hey, Senator. Oh, Senator, this is terrible. Are uh, you intimating my speech laid an egg, Wassup? Uh, no, sir. 
I was at the control board. Something went wrong. I must have crossed the wires. Crossed the wire? You mean Mars Beach didn't go out onto the air? No, sir. I accidentally plugged in on the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger? Yeah. This is terrible. Senator, old Senator, you were wonderful. Well, dig... When dig. you said Tommy and me is here to defend American womanhood, the committee chaired. <laughs> But I, when you shout the banker and save the widow's home, the committee stampeded. But deep... What a personality. You gave him blood and thunder. You championed the little fella. You were fearless, Luke. That's what us Republicans need, a fearless candidate. Well, I Senator, know. your speech was a masterstroke. It didn't even sound like you. Well, it wasn't me, Digby. What? That I... wasn't you talking? No, this mugwump here crossed the wires. What you heard was the Lone Ranger. Well, that can't be. He's the man the committee selected. What? The Republican presidential nominee, Senator, is the Lone Ranger. Yeah, this calls for strategy, Digby. Hold on. I've got an idea. Oh, you're through, Luke. You're finished. Washed up. You're done. Not yet, I ain't, Digby. Now, the committee thinks I made that talk, don't they? Yeah, but you ain't the Lone Ranger. I'm from the West, ain't I? Yeah. I can impersonate the Lone Ranger, can't I? Well, yeah. You're my campaign manager, Digby. What are we waiting for? I get it. What an idea. Nobody's ever seen the Lone Ranger. We'll dress you up in a cowboy suit, Luke. I can ride around campaigning on a white horse. The people eat it up. You'll sweep the country. If I'm riding the horse, somebody else will have to sweep the country. Why, you'll put people back to work. The Lone Ranger always comes through. Luke, the Republican nomination is yours. Hooray! Hooray for President Allen! Well, here I go, folks. I'm the lone Republican. Hi, old White House. That's it for this time, but there's always more old-time radio at relicradio.com. Thousands of episodes of every variety offered for free, thanks to you, the listeners. If you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, please visit donate.relicradio.com or visit the website and click on the Donate button for more information. Thanks for joining me today. I'll be back soon with another installment of A Legacy of Laughs. Laughs